Hi, everyone. Just a quick note to let you know that we have reached our latest Patreon goal, which means that we will be producing our bonus episodes of Force and Destiny. The story is going to be set during the Mandalorian War, which is a few thousand years before the events of the Clone Wars and A New Hope and all of that stuff. So if you're interested in hearing it, it's a patrons-only story. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash zero, and you only need to donate a dollar a month to get access. Again, that's patreon.com slash zero. That's spelled S-I-L-Z-E-R-O. Hello there, and welcome to this very special episode of Silhouette Zero. Today, I am your host, but not your GM, Chris Ng. And I am not the player, not his brother, Matt. No, still brother. <laughs> that doesn't change. Aww. <clears throat> so you just finished listening to season one, and this is our special mailbag slash get to know us episode while we uh, ramp up prediction prediction production while we ramp up production for season two wow it's so weird that they've actually caught up to like present day now just wait till you read some of these things um yeah it is a little weird because um i'm in the middle of actually editing the last episode which you just listened to so there's some time warp for you and uh, what's what's weird is that you're listening to an episode we recorded like a year ago (laughs) it is actually like literally a year ago because i talked about i actually cut it but it said like oh i just finished moving and that was about a year ago a little over a year ago so so yeah uh in case you know a little bit behind the scenes uh we've finished recording over a year ago and we've been releasing them as I found time to edit them, and then as I got faster, the editing schedule, release schedule got more consistent. In the meantime, we played a bunch of other games. Um, we played Ryutama, mm-hmm. Blades in the Dark, 13th Age. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. No, that's not. Oh, Tiny Frontiers. I'm trying to look at my... We did Tiny Dungeons. Uh, we did Maze Rats. Maze Rats a couple of times. Uh, you were, when you came over, we tried to do the Warhammer 40k. Yeah. <laughs> got very, very sad. I just love it so much though. Well, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Anyway, um, so let's just, uh, fall right into this. We've never done one of these before, but I figure what we'll do is we'll hit the listener questions first. And then if there's some time at the end, we'll just do a little talking. So, okay. uh, we'll start with the ones I got on Twitter. Woo! Um, so first question from Axel Lander, um, or at DSalge1 on Twitter. Do you have any plans for an actual play with a new story and a new system? For example, the upcoming Genesis system? Um, kind of? So I'm going to say probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Kind of. We, we kind of have a couple of ideas for that. Um, click story in my brain only goes three seasons. Um, it may only go two, depending on how this one pans out. Um, A, because I don't know what's happened yet. At this moment, we've recorded 10 episodes. Uh, I think like 11. Uh, 10 or 11. Um, and there's still a bit to go. But the third idea I have is a little strange. So I'm not even sure Matt's going to want to do it. So I can't promise anything. <laughs> <clears throat> The answer's can, already no. <laughs> I can promise you two seasons of um, this sh- with Click and the crew, 
Beyond that, we do really want to try. Well, I really want to try Genesis. I think it has a lot of potential. In fact, yeah. as of the recording, uh, Ben Yendal linked me a article from Fantasy Flight Games, kind of detailing character creation. Is it and like how it normally is? It is pretty much how it normally is, but it talked a little bit, or at least it alluded to some of the uh, how the the multiple system, like the the setting free system aspect, is going to work. Hmm. Um, it can it comes with like a couple of preset core ideas, right? And then it has a, a going to have some rules for you know developing your own specific system rules. But you know they still have the light side dark side point. It seems in the sto- I think they're called story points. Mm, we'll come up with a better name. <laughs> we probably will. We'll probably come up with something um, setting related because we really want to do. I think on the docket first is a mouse game. Yeah. Reskin Mouse Guard. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've already been sort of working on how the world for that is going to work because we both really like the idea of being tiny mice with swords. Uh-huh. Um, now, in, in your head, do you like it better when like the swords are like basically tiny needles, like with sharpened edges, or do you like them actually having like forge like sword? That is a good question. I think um because in I my head, that's like the def- that's like the defining like junction between people's thoughts about tiny mice. <laughs> Here's what I haven't actually talked to you about this, so this is going to be new to you. Um, the the setting I've been messing around with mm-hmm. is that um, it's not just mice. So in Mouse Guard, pretty much the only fully sentient people or you know animals are mice and weasels. Right. Which most of the weasels are dead from some horrifying mouse weasel war. Um, I think in in the version I'm thinking of is that mice, lots of animals have sentience. You're, going, bit, you're going red wall. A little bit more red wall. I, I think the defining aspect for mice is that they are the only ones who can use magic. Huh. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And um, that these... These sentient animals live in a world where humans used to live, but they are now extinct. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So I've got a little bit of a backstory to it. It all it makes pretty good sense. But basically, I think there's going to I would like the junction to be partial found items, um, you know, a la like Secret World of Arietta, uh, Secret World of Arietti, where your your rapier is a needle type deal. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, as as time has gone on, they've started to forge those things themselves. Okay. So I guess I answer the question by saying both? I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty much how it was. Both with a question mark. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that's kind of what we have uh, in our brain right now for, for future things. Um, and that's all we've kind of thought about. Uh, you know, I like Star Wars, though, so maybe we'll keep doing that. We haven't really talked about Beyond Season 2. Well, we don't really even talk about it. You we think don't. about it. You think about it, and then we just do it. And that's because you don't want to talk about it. Like, not Mm-mm. that you don't want to talk about it, but like you prefer not to discuss these things ahead of time. Right. It's more fun. Okay. So we also have a couple of questions from Ed Carr, uh, who is the official Silhouette Zero science uh, expert. <laughs> I'm giving him this title right now. He he doesn't that's know fair. that, but he's now our science expert. Okay. So, um, first question: um, What's the limit if e to the negative x 
as X approaches infinity. Oh, God. It's been way too long since I've had to do limits. <laughs> this is uh, calculus, right? Uh, yes. Okay. I, I, I never took calculus, yes. so this is all on you. Uh, yeah, but this is like... 13 years ago okay we all know i have a hard memory limit of seven years anything beyond seven years did not exist this is very true so add um e to the negative x give me a derivative okay give me a derivative and i can do that (laughs) i still remember the cheap way of doing those little basic my first derivative things where you (laughs) like multiply the exponent by the base and then like that's the new thing like the <laughs> derivative of x squared is 2x for example you get it there you go um so ed we want a different question <laughs> <laughs> give me one i can answer <laughs> all right here's a couple of questions here uh next question from him is other than water what would click's greatest fear be oh man that's a good question um if you want to get like real about it He's probably most afraid about being forgotten. That is what I was going to say, too. Yeah. I mean, the guy carries around pictures of himself (laughs) and, like, gives them out willy-nilly, even when he's not supposed to, like, be known who he is. Um, Yeah, I think fundamentally he's terrified of being forgotten. And then uh, the follow-up question was, what would Jinko's greatest fear be? Um, Ooh. What do you think? I know what I think. What do you think? I think ending up with nothing. I think after all of his plans and such, I think he he's worried about failing so absolutely that he ends up with absolutely nothing. Mm. I was going to say just getting caught and like loss of freedom. Yeah. Because I don't know if he's in. I mean, even at this point in the story, he's sort of settled. Um Yeah. But he probably started becoming a thief because it was the easiest way to acquire things. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I don't know. I'm getting real, like, real this is, dark psychology about it. <laughs> this is what the people want. They want to know the inner the inner thoughts here. <laughs> Mine are going to be so scary. <laughs> okay. Um, I know Ed has more questions, but I'm, I'm reading these up through the Twitter line, so we'll come back to them. Um, so Ozzy, our, our super fan, love Ozzy, um, <laughs> has a question for us that says, as your story is all about short aliens, will it feature porgs at some point, at least after episode eight? Um, I don't know what a porg is. Oh, man. I, hold on. Let me Google this. No, I, I kind of Googled it. And, and this is what this is the situation. It's apparently some sort of alien that is featured in episode eight. Oh, okay. Um, and I guess maybe director Ryan Johnson has been tweeting about it, I guess like porg facts. I, I don't. So I accidentally ended up in a episode eight media blackout for myself. Um, I did watch the trailer from comic con, but unlike episode seven, where I kind of went around looking for rumors and, and stuff like that. I haven't really been doing that with episode eight. I think partly, like I said, it's accidental. I've just been too busy, so I haven't really looked. But so I've I've pulled up a picture of a porg. Yeah. Um. I again, I too 
don't really know what's going on with the new movie, um, mostly because I, I don't have like a self-imposed media blackout per se. I have an everything blackout where I crawl under a rock and close my eyes to everything outside of the world. Um, <laughs> you also are, think about movies in general. Yeah, I don't really watch movies like ever. Except back in the day, if it was like a mini series on sci-fi. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, you would watch every FX. garbage can movie that came out. Or if it was on FX. I used to watch every movie on FX. Right. Um, but going back to Porgs, um, they are adorable. Uh, have you seen them? Uh, it looks vaguely like a guinea pig. I don't know. I saw a kinda. small thumbnail. It's kind of like if you took a puffin and a guinea pig and gave it kind of a sad seal face. <laughs> well, I have no idea whether or not porgs are sentient, but if they are, I am sure we will have one. And for all the pet pedants pedants out there, um, I think you mean sapient R- uh, rather than sentient. Yes. Oh, I don't know. Because living creatures are sentient; they are aware of their surroundings. Oh, sapient is of thought. Go okay. Very good. Thank you. Uh, all right, continuing up the line, um, we had one from the official Heidi and Way Twitter account, which wasn't really a question, but I'm going to ha- make it as if it was asked as a question anyway. Um, um, actually, can you just read it verbatim and then just do like a question at the end? <laughs> a question mark? Okay. Uh-huh. So it was a quoted retweet that says, ask questions of these fine podcasters about their show, the valid question of of which hashtag Heidi and Hero they'd like for a co- crossover most could be valid? Mm, you did an okay job with that. <laughs> so, um, for those of you that don't know, I am also play Mandalorian Commander Multi Order on Heroes of the Heidi and Way. Multi Order, uh, the Clan Order. <laughs> <laughs> so, which which would be the best one for a, of the four heroes? Which one would be the best for the crossover? I mean logistically speaking matu would be easiest well if you want to power game it i'm just saying logistically i don't know who would you want um so here here are some thoughts uh first off i think i feel like nima could fill the uh exasperated leader role pretty good that's true i also feel that kobe and tv could get into some hijinks that would be frightening um, I feel like Kith and Click would eh, click, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and probably fight and argue a lot. Yeah, that's true. Cl- uh, Kith I, and Tazi would also be really good friends. Yeah. To be honest, I don't see personality-wise how Matu would fit in very well. I, as like as a member of the crew, probably yeah. wouldn't at all. <laughs> yeah, he's too he's too regiment. Regimentarian. I don't know. So which one do you want? You gotta pick one. Oh, God. Um, I'm thinking Kith. All right. There you go. Kith. Uh, All right. Next question from Christine, who's also a member of the Heroes of the Hiding Away crew. Um, She asks a couple questions. First, what are your favorite Star Wars aliens and starships in the setting? Um, Favorite alien is Gand. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. They're the best. What's not to like? I mean, it's rare. They are species that literally occasionally have lungs. <laughs> like some people are born with lungs. Most of them don't. You know, 
this, this is true. Um, I like it again, too. I don't know if I'm going to say them as my favorite because I hate repeating answers, but I think what I appreciate about the Gan is they are, at least in the extended universe, they are the most alien aliens. That's a good point. I think that's why we like them. They're so strange. Yeah, they're not just like reskinned humans. Right. Or reskinned single attribute of human. <laughs> now, to be fair, if all of the planets that you knew of only had one biome, <laughs> you wouldn't be surprised if all the aliens had one attribute. <laughs> I don't know if Star Wars suffers as that as much as like the fantasy tropes, right? Like dwarves are greed and elves are, you know, arrogance type deal. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, if I have to pick a favorite Star Wars alien, mm, the funny thing is I've had this question. I still can't think of an answer. Um, visually, I like the Togruta. I think they're really cool. You like Jawas best. <laughs> I do like Jawas. I mean, I enjoyed the concept of Jawas, just these little guys and their little glowing eyes running around. Um, but the Togruta also have a very interesting culture. Um, that was sort of hinted at in, in a later episode of the Clone Wars, but never really fully explored. So, um, you know, in the future, I might be delving into some Togruta stuff. I think Miri Allen are pretty interesting. Pantorans are pretty cool. Love Wookiees. I mean, who doesn't love a Wookiee? True. Oh, Trandoshans. Starships. Uh, um, how big are we talking here? Uh, let's do one fighter, one freighter, one capital. Okay. Um Capital I that one's a little bit hard cuz I really dig the the Nebulon B frigate or Nebulon mm. B frigate. But you just got to love a star destroyer. But what what kind? Just regular um, imperial class? Yeah. Though victories are kind of cool because they're more like the maneuverable level, you know. Right. But you just can't be a good old-fashioned Imperial Star Destroyer appearing. Uh, I think my capital would be the Venator Star Destroyer, the uh, ones from the Clone Wars, the red guys. Mm, yeah. They can land. That's cool. Hey, freighter. <laughs> they're, they're, basic, they're basically Victory-class Star Destroyers. Well, yeah, that's true. But still, I like the Venator. I like the red. I like the center <laughs> opening, like uh, the flight bay that opens up in the middle and all that stuff. Mm. Oh, let's see. Um, super cliche, maybe just because uh, of the age I'm at and the age I was. Um, but the YT-2400 light freighter, also known yeah, as that's... Dash Red Nurse Outrider. That is hard to beat. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so cool. <laughs> it is. We had the little micro machine of it, and that was like the coolest micro machine. Yeah, I'm just... I, I don't know. I That... I feel like that's such a cop-out answer, but yeah. No, that's a good answer. That was going to be my answer, but since I won't repeat answers, I'll just take the YT-13. Because, I mean, the Falcon, man. The Falcon. Yeah. And what I like about a lot of these ships, like, even the Star Destroyer, you know, is that if you see a silhouette of it, you know what it is. Yeah. You know? I have a a Falcon sticker on the back of my car. So, I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, there's the Falcon. (laughs) Okay, fighter. Ooh, um, I really enjoy speed and glass cannons, so I'm going to say Interceptor. Oh, uh, for me, Z95. Really? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's never a Z95. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to have some love for the Headhunter, though. No, 
It's a crappy X-Wing, because X-Wings are the best. <laughs> it's like, oh, I love an X-Wing. What's worse? What's slightly worse than that? I want to fly that instead. No, X-Wings. X-Wings are the best. I do also like A-Wings a whole lot. Um, they are pretty good. But I do consider an Interceptor to be, to be like a hybrid between X-Wing firepower and A-Wing speed. This is very true. Uh, next question from Christine, in case this hasn't already been asked. Why a show about little Star Wars species? How'd that become the theme? Um, Ooh, that's because you liked the phrase silhouette zero. <laughs> yep. I just like how those two words sit next to each other. Silhouette, silhouette zero. zero. And that became the theme. I just knew we were, before I even decided we were going to make this a podcast, I knew I wanted a theme for our next campaign. The last one was The Feinsman, and I liked having that theme kind of drive us forward, so I, I came up with a couple. Silhouette Zero was my favorite, um, but I also really liked Green Squadron, which would be when all the aliens in it were <laughs> See, green. I, I didn't even know about that one until I ran that um, adventure module campaign. Oh, yeah. And and the the two characters you built were uh, was Miri Allen and... What was the other one? And falling. Was it falling? Yeah. Are falling green? Yeah. Huh. Okay. I learned something new today. Yeah, because I tried to constantly use her pheromones to trick oh, them into right. thinking they were the same race. And it never that's worked. Right. <laughs> you just kept failing the roles. <laughs> I know. So that's why. It just those words are cool and I like a gimmick. And if you want to make I'm glad a new you podcast. Use the phrase gimmick because I was I was going to say it, but I didn't want to be mean. <laughs> no, I mean, like, if you want to make a podcast where there are already several popular Star Wars actual play podcasts, you need a gimmick to, like, bring you above yeah. the crowd. Ours is that our dudes are little. That's fair. And fun. I, I, I remember when you pitched it to me, you're like, hey, so you're like, I want to do a podcast. And we're like, sure, as long as I don't have to do anything, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure everyone has heard you say, tell this story before, so I'll spare them that part. But then you're just like, how do you feel about all of them being Silhouette Zero? I'm like, which ones are Silhouette Zero? <laughs> I'm like, are there enough? And you listed like six or something. And I was like, okay, that sounds cool. I don't even remember why I picked Chadrofan. I think it's because I was flipping through the Ace book. Because I think I decided I wanted to do Hot Shot before I, I picked the race. Mm, yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, I was. Because I was... Um, Torn between that and the forearm guy. Oh, the Zecto. Yeah. Because remember, I was like, ooh, both of these are good. I was like, nah. Chadra fan feels less power gamey, so. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think Zecto are actually silhouette zero either, so. Oh. Um, okay, next. Uh, with Click being a pilot, Sil Zero has to do a lot of Starship rules. Any advice to GMs running Starship encounters? Uh, well, I'm not going to give away all the stuff that I put on Patreon, because that would be lame for the patrons, but um, there is some custom flight rules that we invented. Uh, there's going to be a couple of more sets, so if you go to Patreon and donate at the $3 a month level, you can get access to those rules. In general, um, I think the generic advice I would give is that the rules are kind of boring in terms of a long chase. Mostly because um, they, it just turns into a roll-off competition because the pools don't really change with the difficult terrain stuff. So what, I, I, what I would say is, 
find which parts of the flying or piloting stuff or any of the starship related things that your players find in fun and interesting and make the rules mostly about that. <laughs> yeah. And I would say mostly also try to make the pilot's decisions matter in the roles. Yeah. Somehow. Instead of it just being like a card game or something where it's like, all right, I've played my, you know, stay on target yeah. and then they're automatically going to do this, you know, yeah. evasive or whatever. Um, as a, as a slight tease, for the this um, new dogfighting rules, I'm I'm trying to write out. Um, it has to do with every time you make a new engagement, you actually re-roll a micro initiative. Huh. Yeah. So there you go. There's a little tease. Uh, we have a question from Ben Yendall from the Tales from the Hydean Way podcast. A great show with lots of GM advice. So if you're looking for some uh, advice and discussion, go check that out. Uh, are the other two seasons of Click going to be as long? I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. They might be. They might be. We're already 11 episodes in, and we we haven't even scratched the surface of what I wanted to do for season yeah. two. Um, and then, is someone going to try and shave Click? Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't on the docket, but I don't know. Maybe we'll do that. <laughs> I think she'd uh, be pretty miffed. <laughs> <laughs> let's see what else we got going on here okay that's it for the twitter questions we got a couple from email though sweet um and this was a really we got some really nice emails actually um so firstly we got one from uh barry who also likes to be called keys so i'm just gonna call him keys because that's cool Keith. um so first he he writes in and says uh that he got through the entire series in less than four weeks wow yeah so he binged through um, most of the episodes. He, he That's also a talks, lot of episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and then he, he also writes in, we've had this before, but I know you particularly love this when um, they take our characters and put them in their campaign. Oh, yes. Um, so Click and Tazi have both shown up in his campaign. Uh, he writes... <laughs> They met Click in a bar where one of my guys accidentally bumped into him. Click immediately thought my player was a fan asking for an autograph and so handed out one of his photos before leaving. <laughs> I had my guy roll for recognition, but he failed. Poor Click hasn't become popular in England, it seems. <laughs> and then uh, he, he goes on to say that Tazi is a musical instrument store owner. Um, and then they, his party is in the middle of robbing her. <laughs> so we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, I love we love it. that. Uh thanks for the that Keith. Um if it's not up already very soon on our website sillzeropodcast.com, I'm I'm putting up the NPC cards for everybody. So if you want some stats, you can use those if you find that useful. Uh but anyway, he's got two questions for us. Uh first is how does Chris do the voice changing? Is it all post-production? And if so, could you please release some unedited clips as it would be fun to hear what Matt, a.k.a. the player, hears? Um, so The only one's Tazi. <laughs> for the main characters, yeah, the only one is Tazi. Jinko and Reyna are just my voice. Um, with Jink, well, when I was coming up with the three voices, I knew the easiest way to do it would be to have a high, a middle, and a low. Hmm. Um, so Tazi's high pitch, Raina's middle, Jinko's low. 
Reina, I think, was probably the weakest one because I tried to do a very subtle accent in certain episodes, and subtle doesn't work with my voice. Um, I need to be more exaggerated accents for them to show up on the audio. So that's a good point. Um, but yeah, Jinko's is, is pretty good. I, I mean, I could do the Tazi voice, but Matt, Matt is very particular about nobody ever hearing the Tazi voice. I have a very strict policy of like, I, I remember one time he, he sent me one of the episodes to like listen to to proof, uh, proof listen. And I pointed out that like, he missed one of his Tazi filters. And I'm like, one of the things I don't want you to ever really show he's uh, behind the curtain is the Tazi voice. I'm like, that totally ruins the immersion. But I mean, if you wanted to like give a big old warning or something, go, hey, I'm going to do an unfiltered Tazi voice. If you don't want that illusion to be shattered, don't listen. Now, I, I, I think there was one episode where I did miss a filter and I never went back to fix it. So if you really want to hear it, you go find it. Um it's a little Easter egg hunt. I gotta listen to them all again. <laughs> um, but you know, other things like um, like Vokar the Gand. It's just it is um, that actually doesn't have a lot of editing in in post. It's just a chorus, so it's more like. Um, well, that's because we have a specific Gand voice that we do. Right, and this was like this Gand voice was just an evil version of one that Matt used when we did the Feinsman campaign when he played a Gand. Um, so it's just like this Gand does not believe this is possible. This you, Gand is surprised you have an opinion. This Gand is surprised you've survived this long. This Gand will end this argument once and for all. Ooh, that was a scary Highland. Yeah, that was like the end of the arc, Highland. <laughs> yeah, Highland got Highland was the ultimate demonstration in power gaming. Uh, he killed everything constantly. Can we talk about real quick my favorite thing? <laughs> oh, the final mission on Bespin, the Tie Fighter. Yeah, do it. So, um, the, my Gand Highland Kostek, uh, he uh had the force leap ability. Uh, I don't remember what the specifics are anymore. It's yeah. been a while. Um but I did a lot of rolls and a lot of strain and a lot of everything. And I had it like down so that leap was like a maneuver instead of an action. You know, I ranked that up. I pumped, you know, experience into that. And there was a tie fighter coming at us and we were all on foot. You were and on a tower. That's right. I was on a tower. And so what I did is I force leapt over to the TIE fighter, slashed the pilot through the cockpit with my lightsaber. <laughs> yep. And then force leapt back to the tower. <laughs> yeah, it was the craziest moment I've ever seen. It was so awesome. Uh, and all the rolls worked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was no fudging that roll at all. It was just exactly what needed to happen. Um, that's not a click thing. That's a map thing. Anytime he needs something to absolutely work, he will roll it. And it doesn't even matter the game. Like, 13th age, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I can fail all the way until it's super important, and it's like life or death. <laughs> uh, the other question he has is, um, if I can guess your moves when planning the storyline. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you'll, a... see, you'll see in episode two, because we actually started recording this, because Chris was like, well, why don't we, we record this? Because this is a good idea. But throughout all of season one... After we finished recording, like after every episode or like session, I'd go, 
So what did I do that surprised you? Because I like to know what he had already calculated and what he like was thrown off by. Because I'm not trying to throw him off. I'm trying to play the characters. But sometimes it just goes completely out of left field. Yeah. So there is a new section for season two called What Did I Do That Surprised You? So you'll get to hear that discussion bit. Um, Just to flip this question around, do you ever guess what I'm going to do or do you not bother or try? I generally try to not bother or try um, because it prevents me from even contemplating or even subconsciously doing things to lean things in my favor. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a lot more fun if I'm experiencing it as like Clickwood, for example. You know, he's not sitting around trying to figure out what's going on. He's just going through and dealing with things as they come, which is more fun. I mean, every so often, like I'll like I'll definitely know when things are happening right before they happen, but not. I'm not looking like down the road. Uh, like for example, when I got that, it was a despair when we were trying to hide with all the ships in the interdictor. Oh, when right. Kobe was trying to spoof the wing transmission. Right. I knew exactly what the despair was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to some extent, some things should be predictable. Um, Kurt Vonnegut once said, write, write a story in a way that if a cockroach eats the last three pages, the reader can still understand what's going to happen. <laughs> That's a very so, specific creature to be eating pages. <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know if he said cockroaches. I might have added that part. But anyway, the point is that, you know, f- some things should make logical progression. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. Next questions are from M. Depla. Deploy? Depla? D-E-P-L-O-I-S? Depla? Dupla, yeah. Dupla. Dupla. Okay, whatever. French guy. Um, so firstly, uh, really love the show. Glad I caught up in time to ask you guys questions. Number one, do you have any advice for DMing a role-playing game for your sibling? I can really only play games with my sister, and sometimes it's hard to stay focused with her or come up with plots she doesn't expect. Uh, we just kind of talked about that, but um, my technique right now for prepping silhouette zero is i don't write what i want to happen because when i do that it doesn't happen mm. um i i've come up with a system now of and i actually kind of invented it on accident when i was pre- uh, prepping for the game i ran with jeff stormer over at party of one um and it is intrigues and characters ah. so <laughs> i write down what I usually write a little block for every character that is you're most likely to interact with in the next situation. So it has their bake whip, their skills, and then kind of what they want out of life, their generic personality. Um, um, for the record, because people aren't us, um, bake whip is our short term version of uh, the acronym for brawn, agility, intelligence, cunning, willpower, and presence. Oh, yeah, the bake whip. We just pronounce it bake whip. Uh, it's faster. It's faster. <laughs> uh, but not everyone probably knows what bake whip is. Yeah, so that's the bake whip is, is the, the attributes section. Um, and then if what I sometimes do, and I don't always do it, but sometimes I do intrigue. So I say, like, what are things that these characters are doing against each other that's going on in the background? So I might say, well, these two characters hate each other and they're like trying to destroy one another. That's intrigue one. And intrigue two is this person is trying to sell an illegal droid. And then um, 
knowing Matt, he will accidentally find all of them, as evidenced in the <laughs> episode where he had four ships to choose from, and he went to all four. I did a good job on that one. <laughs> you did. You were very thorough. I was like, I don't need you to go to all four, but I guess you can. It worked out really well, though, because I kept using like one for the others. <laughs> yeah. So the advice, I guess, from for me is uh, just come up with characters and intrigues, and then let them kind of figure out the plot they want to experience. And if you have... If you know what, what your characters, your NPCs are interested in, you generally can kind of figure out how to make it all work. Um, number you two. What, you mean what your PCs are interested in? No, no. But I mean, like, if you know what your NPCs want. Oh, okay. Then it doesn't matter what the PC does because you can figure out how they would react. And on and coming from the player side, um, because you know your sister and she knows you, like, take that into account. Like, come up with ideas and thoughts that you probably wouldn't use because I'll throw them off because Chris will do things that are, aren't usually like he'll do things that aren't his normal like paths or like thought that he'll do. And those will always throw me off. There you go. Number two, do you think you'd ever introduce a silhouette zero human NPC? I know most established silhouette zero characters are aliens, but I think it'd be really cool if one uh, could just be a little person character. Since most little people played aliens in the movies, it'd be nice to see a human silhouette zero character represented. Um, I had never thought of this, and I really like this idea. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, I, I, unfortunately, like all my main cast NPCs for season two are kind of set and done with, but... If we do season three, I am totally doing this. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a really good idea. So thank you for that. You've now <laughs> officially influenced the path of Silhouette Zero. Um, and then number three, I love Kobe. Why is he so great? Um, well, we accidentally created a mascot uh, droid. Yeah. Like, did not intend to. <laughs> that was not something that was done intentionally. It started off because... Well, in our last, again, we, we talk about this a lot, but over when we did the, the Feinsman with the Gand, uh, Chris always likes to let me have, like, basically have two players. That way, it's not like, oh, you don't have anyone that can do this, so good luck, like, every five <laughs> steps of the way. Um, so I can fill in some of the gaps. And so the Gand was very combat heavy, and then he had Kobe, um, who was very uh, slice mechanic combo. And I liked him. And so when Chris was asking me, you know, what characters I was going to roll, I'm like, I'm going to have Kobe again. And you're like, oh, <laughs> so it's going to be like after the other one. I'm like, no, no, this is before. This is his past. <laughs> right. Which we haven't figured out whether or not the Feinsman timeline remains intact. But um, we'll figure that out later. But Kobe is just um, Kobe had a very enigmatic past when we invented him. And then I think there were just aspects of it that were really interesting. Um, even back then, he just kind of did his own thing. Um, yeah, because again, I like to try to play the character. And if it's, you know, for a droid, you know, usually acts what they assume to be logical. And it's not really their fault if the other people don't know something that he thinks should be obvious. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the, the most concise description of Kobe's personality ever. Just, well, you should know, so get on board. I feel like one of the most common things that happens in uh, Silhouette Zero is 
you go, does Kobe tell anyone? And I'm like, no, because he thinks he should know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which kind of falls into the next uh, question, which is, alternatively, would Kobe ever talk to the crew about his past more in depth or keep it to himself? Well, no one's asked. Yeah, true. <laughs> also, I think he would just, I don't think he thinks it's relevant yeah, I don't think he does either. And I think that's what, what makes like that's my favorite thing about the, his particular mysterious past trope is that he doesn't think it's important. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it's kind of non like inconsequential. It's just like this is he's like, well, who cares about the past? This is what I'm doing right now, though. <laughs> yeah. And we know that Kobe has never had his memory wiped. And I don't think anyone else knows that. No. That would be a weird assumption to make. I think everyone assumes that droids get their memory wiped routinely. They all just have their cultural bias that, you know. Yeah. Also, from a, from a storytelling perspective, having a undefined past for Kobe is very useful for me. And me, oh, too. And for you, too, when you flip those light side points. What because that? I think it's episode 11. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> just wait until you see what Kobe did in the past. Um, I, know, want, I, mean, I like, wish I could have seen your expression when I said that answer. <laughs> Well, and and also like <laughs> we we his obligation was bounty, but we never found out why he has a bounty on his head. Nope. <laughs> and so, like from a from a storytelling perspective, that's re- useful because if we ever decide we need to know what that is, we can just make it up without having without having to contradict ourselves. Yep. So it's not like we've got it written down in a book somewhere and we're keeping it hidden. We just don't know, and we'll we'll make it up when we need it. Yep. God, I um, love Kobe. <laughs> I think that's all of them. That's all the listener questions we have. That was a lot. That was it a good was run. A it was. Thank you, guys. Um, hey, thanks. Now any, for any, the remainder, as promised. 30 minutes of me sadly flopping <laughs> in the background. <sighs> <laughs> I don't think we need 30 minutes of this. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you can find him on Twitter where you already tweeted him at at Sil Zero Chris. That's S I L Z E R O C H R I S. He already stopped his recording, so he can't stop me. Um, I'm at Sil Zero Matt. That's S I L Z E R O M A T, and then another T. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know our website. Um, he already mentioned uh, his other works earlier, so I'm not. I don't feel like I have to do that one again. Um, but he's a uh, Matu Ordo, just because like to do the voice. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, thanks again for all the messages. That was at least thirty more than I expected to receive. Um, and yeah, no, that was fun. Uh, we'll have to do it again next time there's a lull between the stories. And uh, thanks for listening. And the force be with you.